This is Before the Light Goes Out with Catherine Williams. Leo Abrahams is an English musician, composer and producer. He attended the Royal Academy of Music before starting his career as the lead guitarist with Imogen Heap. He's collaborated with Brian Eno, Katie Malua, Ed Harcourt, Jarvis Cocker, Chris Difford, Carl Barat, Regina Spector, John Hopkins and Paul Simon, to name but a few. He's released five studio albums, which are Ambient Soundscapes with Complex Arrangements. He's co-written and arranged film soundtracks, including Peter Jackson's The Lovely Bones and Steve McQueen's Hunger. To be honest, I could list another hundred names and projects, but let's just say he can play piano, guitar, guitarette, bass, omnichord, hurdy-gurdy, lute, and something called the git organ. Welcome, Leo Abrahams. Thank you, Catherine. Did you say that most people (laughs) now immediately correct you? Yeah. Yeah, do you want to correct me? The only thing I've got to correct you on is that I I don't play the lute. Well, that makes me actually respect you a bit more. So, how did you sleep last night? Uh, not very well, to be honest. Um, I missed the window. What's the window? The window is the little sliver of time when you can just slip into the netherworld without any friction. And I found that my window is pretty narrow, so... Is it a time thing or is it a state of mind? It's a state of mind. I was a little bit anxious last night, but I was lying there and I could feel it coming, coming. And then my partner started snoring and I knew (laughs) that I'd missed the window. So I went, oh, fuck it, and and got up. I knew I had to meet somebody this morning at uh, eight around the corner. Yeah, I didn't sleep terribly well. And I looked I looked forward, even in my sleepless state, to telling you about that. Oh, were you thinking, oh, at last I've got something to tell you about I thought, oh, I'm tired sleep. and frustrated, and oh, well, now I'll have something to say. <laughs> so who do you meet at eight o'clock round the corner? I went to go and meet a younger and better version of me, a <laughs> producer who'd borrowed a set of my headphones, and he was on the way to his studio, so we just met up at the coffee place and compared notes on time travel on things like uh plugins how our jobs were going studios that sort of thing i know about plugins little altar boy is a good oh yeah it is a good one it's a good one <laughs> do you respect me a little bit more now i know i couldn't about respect you any more than i already did <laughs> well i i bought little altar boy but um i don't know how to get it Onto my computer, now I've bought it. I bought it in a sale. What, you, when did you buy it? Just the other day. Oh, well, there should be a link that you click and then it just downloads. Guy, you're like the guru. You're like, switch it on and off again. There's a link. So was that patronising? No, not at all, not at all. Um, no, I, I, need, I need to be talked down to. I mean, I've only <laughs> just... I've only just learned uh, how to put the central heating on for an hour if it's cold. But I did fix the boiler the other day. Anyway, really? We're going off topic. Yes, I did. What did you do? Did you let more water in? Was it repressuring it? Yeah, it was an E19 fault. I don't know what that is, but 
that is basically when it goes too low and you have to top it up. Yeah, it's good. It feels good, doesn't it, doing things like that? It's turning a tap on and off. Yeah, but it's still brave. And, though, and then I, I did actually think, God, I should be wearing dungarees for this job because yeah. I felt like I had a trade. You should be charging. <laughs> yeah, I should learn the, uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. it's yeah. going to... It's going to be a big job. Ooh. I know. <laughs> um, so where did you sleep last night? Were you at home? Yep, I was at home. It's just opposite the old Essex County Cricket Ground, now that called the Leighton Cricket Ground. Yeah, it's lovely. It was, a, it was a 1970s type of morning this morning when I looked out of the window, that sort of damp fog that just settles in greyly. I don't know why I associate that with the 1970s, but I do, particularly in this area older films that were made around that time sort of represented Victorian London, you know, like mm. like the past sort of representing the past has a nostalgia just like a, like 60s futurism has like a nostalgia for looking what it would have been like in the future. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Where's the strangest place you've ever slept? The strangest place, well, sleeping in the Pamir Mountains was quite strange in Tajikistan, just on the border of Afghanistan. Um, I mean, it was beautiful, but I've never felt so simultaneously peaceful and far from home at the same time. But probably the least appropriate place that I've slept is on an industrial estate, on a ramp, concrete ramp that goes into a warehouse on an industrial estate in, in Wilsdon. Tell me more. There's really not that much to tell other than that <laughs> <laughs> I was with my friend at university and it was, in the, it was at that time of life when even quite reasonable amounts of money seem, well, how can I put it, when even small amounts of money relatively seem completely out of reach. So, for example, we, my flatmate used to have a, a key, like the master key to the block of flats, which he lost, and it would have cost 12 quid to replace it. But that was an unthinkable sum. It was almost a, on principle, one wouldn't pay that. So his solution was to climb a tree outside the flat and then jump from the tree onto our second floor balcony and let himself in the door, which he'd leave open with all of our instruments on, in, in, on display. So anyway, it was with that, it was with that guy and we were just coming out of a party. It was about 1am. This was before night buses were quite what they are now. And it was either pay, I don't know, eight quid for a taxi or try and sleeping outside. Except it was, <laughs> uh, <laughs> except it was November. But I was quite up for it. A little bit drunk. And we saw this industrial estate that the, the gates weren't locked and I said let's let's go in here we found a, a ramp which had a kind of a four not 45 degrees it was probably 30 degrees incline so natural it wasn't exactly a pillow but it was it was a an angle you know and we lay down there and had a bit of a laugh about it and um we did manage to sleep there for a couple of hours and then woke up feeling not not good and walked home in the end I mean it's not something to make light of because of course people sleep outside a lot but it was certainly an education as to how difficult and unpleasant that really is 12 pounds or that experience i think you did well yeah maybe i did <laughs> maybe we did so the next question on my list is 
Can you sleep anywhere? No, I can sleep almost nowhere. I'm really fussy and it's very hard to, for me to turn my brain off. I, I even find it hard to sleep in especially comfortable beds because I, I catch myself thinking, oh, this is just so comfortable and so cosy <laughs> and I start enjoying it so much that I can't sleep because it's just so pleasurable. <laughs> um, but having travelled a lot with work and on tour and that kind of thing, I have got a, a big affection for hotel beds and hotel linen, I think because they're all so similar and so kind of starchy. That's an exception to the rule. I can sleep very easily in... Uh, in hotels. What's your favourite hotel bed? In some ways, the more kind of anonymous, the better. So a, a, like a travelodge, somewhere nondescript, uh, where it's just that almost crispy sort of linen. I find that very comforting. I like that you know it's just the same everywhere you are. Yeah. There's nothing expected of you. It's not... I always find, like, if I go to a studio that's too posh, I like an itchy studio. If if I go to a studio that's too posh, I just don't feel like I can put my cup down anywhere or sing mm. the way I want to. That's interesting. So I kind of feel the same with hotels. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. And sometimes if it happens that you're staying in a bit more of a fancy hotel, I yeah, I sort of start reveling in it too much. <laughs> and it's not <laughs> always conducive for a good night's sleep. Ooh, I better use that. I like that... Um, the excitement of a nice bed is what what keeps you awake. That's so sweet. It's like a little toddler or something. Yeah, actually, one of my earliest memories is is being in a bed while my parents were at a dinner party, you know, in a different house, and it was quite a posh house, and I had that feeling of just over luxury, even though I was only four or five. And I remember my mum coming in and saying, um, "Are you all right?" And I said. This bed is too rich. Oh, so do you enjoy sleeping alone or sleeping with someone? Which do you prefer? I think on balance I prefer sleeping with someone. But there are strict rules. Etiquette. That brings me on to uh, spoon, cuddle or space. Oh, right. This is a very, this is a very difficult one. I like all of them. But they all seem to end naturally with space. I think you have to make time for spooning and cuddling or just spooning or just cuddling but in the end to actually get to sleep properly it needs to be space for me what about you can i ask you that or have you answered this on every single one and now you're bored of answering it well it changes i mean recently neil's had a really bad cough and cold and um i've been sort of lying on my own i give him a quick cuddle warm my feet up then I turn the other way and, like, tut to myself every time he <laughs> coughs. <laughs> so, uh, which is, like, you know, awful oh. and cruel. And I love him very much. But, like, uh, he's not hearing me tutting. It's not like a... <sighs> but every time he coughs, I'm like... Oh. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's dreadful. <laughs> you know, I'm not proud of myself. My son, Ted, gets in every single morning for a cuddle and has done for 12 years. Really? Um yeah, and uh, he's like, oh, you're so brilliant. I love you oh. so much. Every morning. Oh. It's like, I know it's like some sort of like gift from the gods. Like when I'm not even awake, he's like, hi, mom. Oh, I love you so much. And I'm like, God, this is fantastic. What am I going to do when 
I mean, it would be weird if he's 20 and he's still doing yeah. it. But <laughs> That's so wonderful. I don't want that to end at all. And then Neil goes... Yeah, tuts at me. <laughs> They're having a hug. Uh, we had a, a party the other night and we've got really, really lovely neighbours. They've got, um, well, a new baby and a lovely four, four five-year-old boy and a eight-year-old girl. They're such lovely characters. And the girl last night spontaneously hugged me in the middle of this party. And it was just so sweet because when, when we moved in a few years ago, she was in a very sort of shy phase and now she's in a bit more of an, an open phase. But that's lovely, isn't it? I don't think there's anything nicer than a child choosing to give you a hug. I know. Like, it's you know, fabulous. I hate it when people sort of preempt what a child is. Mm. When you do get to sleep, do you sleep all the way through or do you wake? Did you know that I'm a 45-year-old man? <laughs> I have had a bit of knowledge from um, Dan Withered Hand was talking to me that he likes to get up in the night and have a wee and he said it is to do with age. Yeah, well, so that started happening. But sometimes I'll uh, sleep all the way through and those are, like I should have a special book or something that I write down those nights because it, <laughs> it feels like a special occasion. Yeah. Um, and I always wake up particularly feeling good after I've had a non getting up in the night night maybe you should just have a like box at the side of your bed with party poppers in and it can just say oh, slept through <laughs> and if you've if you've slept all the way through you can just take one party popper when you wake up <laughs> <laughs> I like it I like it and they they all sort of bedraggled remnants of it over the light from yeah. nights past. My my mum has a diary. She lives in Cornwall, and she has a diary where she notes down if it's been a perfect day, which she determines by a cloudless sky all day, which, as you can imagine, in Cornwall is quite rare. So even a very sunny day doesn't cut it if there's even a little cirrus, uh, whatever they're called, in the in the background. So yeah. yeah, I should have the equivalent for the for perfect nights. Aww. I don't think there'd be many. And my gran used to be obsessed with that. She would always say, if it was like a completely blue sky, that um, she would always say, how many sailors' pants do you think <laughs> you could cut out of that? <laughs> it's so sweet. That's great. So what keeps you awake? Sometimes music. If you've been working on, uh, on a mix, particularly listening to the same thing over and over again, or working on the same bit of a song over and over again in a production, very often these little fragments of sound will take on an almost physical dimension and they just keep on turning over and over and over pointlessly like space junk <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that worry but I have got what do you worry about what do I worry about I'm just suddenly wondering if my mum's going to hear this and then worry about me worrying but I'm going <laughs> to carry on an answer anyway and then not tell her that I've done this no I what do I worry about? Well, pretty much anything. It's just there's a certain mood, isn't there? Well, I don't know. I mean, I assume it's the same for a lot of people. There's a certain mood and perspective that comes over one during that half-consciousness at night when, not all the time, often things seem worse than they are, darker than they are, more frightening than they are. And I think all you can do in those times is remember that it is a perspective. Because so many times I'll wake up the next morning and the problems won't have changed, but the feeling attached to them has changed. It's amazing what daylight can do to worries, isn't it? Yeah, or even just wakefulness, rather than that kind of shadowy realm of consciousness. Do you 
write or work better in the daytime or nighttime? And has that changed? No, it's pretty much always stayed the same that my favourite time to work is the morning, usually when I've just woken up. And a good day for me is when I go straight into the studio and sometimes still have my dressing gown on by lunchtime. Like that, that will be, that will have been a good morning's work. But um, it it doesn't happen so often these days, even though I have started working from home, just because when there's another person around or other people around, it's kind of nice to have a, a social morning sometimes. But I do love that time of day when the brain is really alert and sort of unsullied by any daytime bullshit. You think that's your most authentic self? It's my best work self at that time, yeah. It feels very clear. There's a clarity to the morning which is wonderful for work, I think. But the trouble is, it's wonderful for everything. So I sort of want to, often I'll think, well, I'd like to meditate now. And I often do in the morning, but then I secretly am also thinking, well, I could, if I went to go and work now, that would be, that'd be 20 minutes of really great work. Can't even remember if it's like Marcus Aurelius or who, but, but I know I've got a quote somewhere on a postcard and it says, you can do anything, you just can't do everything. I'm always like, right, I'm going to hoover the house, I'm going to paint the kitchen, Mm. I'm going to go for a walk, I'm going to meditate, and I'm going to write seven songs. (laughs) You just have to pick one. Yes, that's absolutely right. It's on a slightly different topic, but there's a a quote by Gandhi that you just reminded me of, which actually was on a card my mum gave me once. It was, nothing we do is important, but it's important that we do it. I like that one. Yeah. I like those really simple things that then make your mind sort of go boom. Before I go on to the next two questions, how does it work getting artists that you work with into a studio early if that's the best time to work? Well, when it's another artist's project, I'll just work whenever they want to work and it's actually it's not quite so important for me because a lot of that, well, producing is to do with facilitating other people's creativity it's only been a couple of times that that it's been it's felt incompatible but usually it just kind of it works and it's whatever works for the other person i'll go along with so it's like you go into their country where the uh, hours are different yeah i'm on their time zone (laughs) quiet or noise um and i mean like do you can you listen to music radio podcast or do you read at bedtime which is your preferred state (laughs) uh well i I like reading before turning off the light and then it i need it to be pretty silent ages ago when i was in imogen's band i i was friends with john hopkins at that time because we'd gone to school together and he was her keyboard player and we go and uh, do these gigs and anywhere up to and including doncaster we'd drive back to london the same night and we'd all get dropped off somewhere and it's too far for john to come home so he'd come back to my flat in Wilsdon and he liked listening to music while falling asleep and I sort of deferred to him and let him do it but I just couldn't understand how anyone could could fall asleep with music playing or anything much going on so I just pretty much lay awake listening to Radiohead until dawn broke. (laughs) I find the same I can't I can't really listen to music to go to sleep I like sort of talk podcasts and things like that sort of the more chewy the better Mm. to make my brain brain overheat and switch off yeah same 
if I go to like meal with friends and they put some music on, it's like torture for me because they're talking to me, but like half of my brain is listening to the music over there. It gives me such a headache. Yeah, I completely relate to that. And it's even more so when uh, it's something you've worked on. So sometimes yeah. like Anissa, my partner, will say, why don't you put on that? It happened the other night at this party. She said, she said, why don't you put on that record you just mixed? It was of tragic music. And I thought, yeah, OK, but I'll just basically be sitting there in the middle of this conversation like, like a zombie, wishing that I turned the rhubarb up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That hi-hat is 2DB too yeah, loud. Yeah, yeah. All that. <laughs> We've come to the last question. Great. Can you remember a lullaby, a song or a book that you went to sleep to as a child? Hmm. I did a series of concerts a few years ago of lullabies from all different cultures. It made me realise that, I don't know if it's just familiarity, but that the the British ones were quite straight <laughs> compared to <laughs> ones from other cultures. So I don't think, other than all the favourites, I do have one. But what I do remember from falling asleep as a child very clearly is those adhesive plastic stars and moons that um would be stuck on the ceiling so that when the light goes out and they glow in the dark i love those and i don't i don't know if i've seen many of those around recently in children's bedrooms yeah ted's got some in his room and that's good that used to really send me off well oh did you just look up at them in the dark yeah yeah oh maybe that's what you need maybe that is what i need yeah well actually my dad used to well, when I was six or seven, he read me the whole of The Lord of the Rings as well. <laughs> that would, which was quite an exciting thing uh, to have before bedtime. But I think a lot of it I didn't probably understand. But yeah, that combination of being read to and the glow in the dark stars, that's, that, was my, that was my childhood jam. That sounds perfect to me. I still love reading to my, well... My youngest, my oldest would not let me do that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> He's watching Breaking Bad and right. stuff, so I don't think he'd want it. You could turn the sound down on Breaking Bad and you could read out the subtitles. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've really enjoyed chatting. I hope that you get to do your party popper for a full night's sleep tonight. Ah, oh, bless you. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Leo Abrahams.